You know, we all think we have a foundation set without really thinking about it. We just walk along. We just think we have a foundation. But I, I had a strange revelation when I was flying the other day that the foundation was there, but it really was not there. It was a fake foundation. It was in the air, and I was standing on something that really wasn't grounded. It all ties into sort of how we got to Nashville. Uh, last week, Tuesday, I woke uh, with a, uh, a text from the airline that said my flights to Nashville had been canceled. That's happened in the past. I went online and saw that almost uh, three-quarters of the flights that were from that airline had been canceled. And I said, oh, this is not good. I'm not gonna be able to reschedule this easily. So a flurry of activity started to happen. I was able to find another airline and start to figure out a different way to go. And I felt like everything had been set. And the reason that this was an issue is because every single thing that we had planned in our coming to Nashville and moving Becca to her new apartment, everything was set against that one bit of truth, I thought, that one schedule. And it proved not to be true. God had a different plan. He had a different way of doing things. And, and he really had the foundation. It was set in his mind. It's just it had to change in ours for us to be able to see it. So little bit on this uh, later, but it worked out exactly the way God wanted it to, even though we thought the foundation had been upended. He had it perfectly in hand. So the study of Gideon in Judges, we're going to open up to Judges chapter 6. We're going to look at this as our New Year message today, and I'll explain how that ties in in just a moment. Quick overview, uh, the Midianites came every year at the same time to the Israelites. And they would come at the time of the new harvest. Everything was being gathered. All of the food that was sustenance for Israel was being gathered. And it was all being put up and readied. And, and the Midianites would come at just that time to take it all. And uh, like locusts to the area, they came with all of their animals and the people and they ruined everything. The Israelites were in such fear that they were hiding in caves. They couldn't even battle with them. And this happened every year. Imagine every year expecting for all of the food that you had just grown to be taken away by the Midianites. So every single year. It happened for seven years. And we'll find out about that in just a minute. The people cried out to God for help. So if you look at Judges 6, 7, it reads like this. When the people of Israel cried out to the Lord on account of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet to the people of Israel. And he said to them, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I led you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of slavery. And I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites, which is what they were doing, basically, in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. And it says in 6.1 that the Lord had given them over to the Midianites for these seven years because they had been disobedient. 
So this happened in seven years, over and over and over. It was just the way it was going to happen every year. So I want to start by saying to you that the, the things that they expected to occur every year, on and on and on and on and on, turned out not to happen. God had an answer to them when they cried out, which is a great lesson for us beginning the new year, that the cry of his people to him gets noticed. And he comes and he responds. In this way, he responded with a prophet who came and gave them the truth. They were not where they were supposed to be, but he had an answer for them. And so God sent an angel to Gideon. So if you look at Judges 6, 11, it says this, now the angel of the Lord came and sat underneath the terebinth at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abrazite. While his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press, it says, to hide from the Midianites. They couldn't do it even out in the open. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. So the first thing we're going to see in this as we talk about truth, and we're talking about truth in God's word. We're also relating this this year to 2023, which I feel God is saying to us uh, that this is the year of, of the word being our foundation even more than it has been. We're uh, in the middle of a, a world that is, I was going to say slowly, it's probably quickly moving away from God more and more. So the foundation is falling out beneath people's feet more and more around us. And uh, they're grabbing for all kinds of other things except for the true foundation. So 2023, I hope for us, for our church, will be the year, the word, our foundation, even more than it has been. And it's a tremendous foundation for those in our congregation. So very proud of everybody for holding on. I mean, you can just hear it in the, in the praises when we did our question uh, today. But even more this year, not necessarily for us, although it needs to be there for us, I think for this year, the 2023, the word as our foundation is important for others. It's important for those in our family. It's important for friends. It's important for people we work with. So it changes our foundation from surviving because we're learning what the word means, the truth means, and how it's a foundation. We're taking what we're learning now and applying it to those around us who need it as well. And this is what we're going to see in this story today about Gideon. So the first thing God called this man to deliver, he used the word, the truth, to transform his people. We're going to see as we, we use this. So God uses truth in scripture. He uses it through prophecy, uh, angels, like we see in this story. The important thing is it's his truth. The main thing we go to for his truth is what? His word. It's just foundational for us as uh, believers. So we're going to look today at this truth and how Gideon was transformed in the midst of this, but he really was transformed by this truth to help his country, to help his people. So I believe this year is this year when this foundation is going to grow in us and it's going to be a foundation that spreads to others. So let's see how God renewed the foundation of the Israelites. They had a foundation, right? But they had left it. So we'll hear about that. So look at Judges 6, 11 to 12 again. And it talks about Gideon just hiding, beating out the 
the wheat and an angel appears to him. So the first thing is this. God's word called Gideon to see himself through God's eyes. God's word called Gideon to see himself through God's eyes. He said, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. No, I think if the Lord said that to me, it would be, I would immediately dismiss everything. I mean, I'm just, just who I am. I just not going to be, I'm going like, you've got to be kidding me. You're not calling me to this, right? But you know what? My evaluation of me is not what's important. What does the truth say? What does God say about the evaluation of you? Not what we think, not what we say. We have to be very careful. Great lesson for us in our church because we do think a certain way about ourselves. And many times it may not be the way God thinks of us. Not the truth, not what the Bible tends to say. The Lord's with you, mighty man of valor, whether Gideon thought it or not. God thought it. Turned out to be true in the end, by the way. It wasn't just a random title given by God, by the way. It was mighty because God had given him the name. That's the reason it made a difference. It's not even that we think about it in a certain way. It's that God says it about Gideon. That makes it true for Gideon. So he was to be mighty because God was telling him he was mighty. That was the truth. That was the guide. So uh, secondly, God gets, gets to determine who Gideon was. It's really him. We're God's children. Isn't it up to him to determine who we are? And usually, we are in much better position with him than we think we are with him. His love, his grace, his compassion, much greater, much higher than we could imagine. So he gets to determine who you are. What he thinks about you matters. And so it's a good thing this truth is there from him. And we go back to the word. What does the Lord say about me? His love for me, his compassion, his grace, what I'm to do, how I'm to live a holy life, on and on and on. It's what he determines. Who does the word tell you you are? Good place to start this year as you look. You know, I was um, have to do some things in in Rebecca's apartment that that requires some exacto knives. I have to cut some material out. And uh, I was going to help her. And you know what? It does not matter. I have uh, an ID and a a ticket to get on board the plane. Uh, It makes no difference. To the TSA, my name is the man with the sharp blades. (laughs) That's all I am. They, they have the truth. That's really the law. That's really it. I can't bring those on board. They have that name for me, even though I thought it was the man with the blades to go help my daughter. It's the same with God. He tells you. So it's a good thing to question is, what does God think about you? And do this biblical search. Start trying to figure out who he thinks you are. Boy, life goes better when we have that foundation. So God's word called Gideon to see himself through God's eyes, as he's calling us to see ourselves through his eyes. This gives us a stronger foundation to minister to other people when we know who we are in God. The second thing, if you look at Judges 6.13, it says, And Gideon said to him, to this angel, I don't know that I would do this, but Gideon, I I guess, felt uh, strong enough to be able to do this. I think if I was approached by what I thought was an angel of the Lord, 
I don't think I'd start with a bunch of questions about why God is doing something. But this is Gideon. And he said this. He said, and Gideon said to them, to him, please, sir, if the Lord is with us, well, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us, giving us into the hand of Midian. So the second thing we need to learn, <clears throat> God's word called Gideon to see God in a new way. God's word, his truth, called Gideon to see God in a new way. If you went to the Westchester Mall at all over the holidays, you were able to stand on one of the floors above all around and see a Santa from above. And it's pretty impressive the way they, they do it. The, just everything's red and green, you know, Santa's a good Santa, it's a real beard. It's, we used to run into him when we met at one of our places of meeting for the church. It was a, a hotel and he used to stay in that hotel and we'd run into him in the lobby and he'd come out in his full red garb with a beard and, and it was real, he was, he was a good Santa. And he would go over to the Westchester Mall and you could see him there and it was quite the scene of just frivolity and and just fun and just you know kids and screaming babies and it was just the whole scene was there it was santa the giver of of gifts it's just why not be happy around that well Gideon begins to question the angel like why has all this happened and and where are all the wonderful uh deeds he's, he's trying to say wait a minute I had no idea that this was going to be happening. I, I thought I thought this was going to be different. I, you know, you're a protector and a provider, and you have not come through, God. So he expected Santa, you know, a, protect, a protector and a provider. Why is he not doing this? Have you ever said that to God in frustration? Even respectfully, most of us have. He knows what the best thing is for us, for Gideon, for his people, for the people that he's trying to bring back to himself. Started with Gideon's trying to use Gideon to do this. He has to teach Gideon that we have to see God in a new way. He cannot be for us just a protector and a provider, someone who gives. He's got a bigger plan, and I think we need to just reconcile to that. Many have already have that attitude about it, but it's good for us to have it set so that we can provide that to others. He's more than a protector and a provider. He knows the best for you, for me. He knows the best is total devotion to him. We have to see this in a, in a brand new way. His best for us is not solving the issue that's here today necessarily that we're focused on. Doesn't mean he doesn't care about it, it's just he has a larger plan for us, and he is in charge. He is our foundation. That's what we're talking about. He is the truth. His love guides him to do what is best for us. So we broaden our view to make him really a foundation, really the truth in our life. Not come and go truth. Not I wish he was here today. Where is he? I don't understand why he's doing this. It's just not right. It's an attitude more of, God, I don't get this, but you're in charge. You're God. I'm not God. So I rest in that. It doesn't become the fight that you see Gideon is having with the angel. It becomes, 
I understand the foundation is you. The truth is you. And I don't understand everything you do, but I want to be totally yours. I want, that's what I want. And that's what he wants for us. So it changes us to see God in a brand new way. If you look at 614 to 24, it says this, and the Lord turned to him and said, go in the might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. It's interesting. He didn't even say anything, by the way, uh, about his questions. And by the way, it doesn't say the messenger of the Lord there. If you'll notice, it says, and the Lord turned to him. Possibly one of those instances in the Old Testament where uh, it's an Old Testament view of Jesus that is the messenger. But in any event, since we don't know for sure, it's changed there from the messenger to the Lord said to him. Doesn't seem the angel is still there, and we'll find out a little bit later. He hung around for the food he was going to be preparing for him, or the food that Gideon was going to be preparing for him. So he says this, go in the might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Not dealing with the questions at all. Do not I send you? I'm the one doing this, by the way, he's saying. The Lord is saying, I'm, I'm the one doing this. I'm directing this. And he said to him, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? So Gideon goes back to what he's thinking about who he is. He says, behold, my, my clan... <laughs> is weak. I can't do it. My clan's too weak. I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you. And you shall strike the Midianites as one man. And it goes on from there. But I want you not to go by that because we do this often in scripture is look at verse 16. But I will be with you. That's the Lord's answer. That's his answer. What if that's our answer? Every time Our world seems like it's really tumultuous, but he's with you. But Lord, you're with me. I'm with you, he says. That phrase is stuck in the middle of this. You'd almost miss it, but that's a key. But I will be with you. See, that's the end of what he's really trying to say. He's trying to bring them back to him being with them. They had gone to false idols, which we'll see in just a bit. And God says, you've got to come back so that It's me so that I can be with you. That was God's goal. That's always what he wants from us. He will be with us. And then it says, you shall strike the Midianites as one man. All of the people together, and we'll see that will happen as well. And he said to him, if if now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign. It is you who speak to me. And it it goes on from there. But let let me stop here for one second. In 614, as we read this, and it goes all the way through 24, uh, he says he'll be with you. And he has uh, the details of your life that there's just no way for us to imagine the amount of detail that he knows about you, what you're going through now, what you're going through in 10 minutes, in 20 years, as you see him face to face, and all the knowledge that came behind that. Everything is in his mind as he looks at you. One of the things that was tied to our our flight, getting in at the right time, was a moving time. Originally, we were going to leave on Thursday, get there at noon. We were going to meet the movers at 1. It was all like clockwork. Wouldn't have been a problem. So since it changed, we had to change everything else. But one of the things that happened is we had to change the time from the move from 8 to 10, which means 
we had so little to move, we would have been there at like 9 o'clock or 9.30 and had no key at the place we were moving, meaning the movers were going to be sitting there uh, charging us by the hour, and we had no key to get in. So we're going like, oh, man, okay, what are we going to do? Let's just, you know, we'll start praying. Becca was praying. I was praying. Linda was praying about how this might work out. I didn't expect this to happen, but it, it just we needed to be there at 10 o'clock with the movers at 10 o'clock. We couldn't be there at 9. It wouldn't have made any sense for us. We were just waiting. No one would have given us a key. So we're trying to figure out what to do. So in we're, it's about 8 o'clock. The movers are supposed to be there. I get a call from the mover, and he says, you know, Mr. Warren, I'm very sorry. We're stuck behind, you know, a train is, cross, is on the tracks, and we cannot get through this road. We're just stuck here. And Rebecca told me that does happen. I'm saying, oh, I'm sorry that happens. You know, this, that's okay. You know, whenever you can get here is, is fine. And I hung up, and I said, I think the Lord might have put that train there. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't pray for them to be stuck. I really prayed for all kinds of other ways this might happen. But you know what? <laughs> they got there at like 8.40. It took them about an hour to pack everything. And they got in the car and or in the truck. They went a slightly different way. We got there ahead of them. And I, I want to tell you that we arrived, I have a picture on my phone, we arrived into the lot, into the building space to go to the guy to give us the key at 10 a.m. on the dot, exactly when we needed to be there. And the, the truck came right after that with all of Rebecca's things. Worked out perfectly. Only God, only God can make that happen. Did I need him to know all that detail, put all that together? I guess it could have happened other ways, but you know, he loves us. He wanted to do it this way, and uh, it certainly worked out perfectly. He will be with you. <laughs> One of the wonderful things about being a child of God. He has promised to be with you. Yes, you. He's promised. Gideon said he's weak. He, he had all these things that he was talking about as we read. It was uh, about him. And God's not abandoning him. He's not looking at all the weaknesses that you look at about yourself or that I look at of whatever they happen to be, mental, emotional, physical, all kinds of things. Gideon started to say, you know what? Okay, that's fine. I'm going let, to let, just, just hang out here for a bit. And then he said uh, this. He said, uh, don't, don't depart. This is in verse 18. Please don't, don't go anywhere. I, until I come uh, back, I, I'm going to pr- bring a present to you. I'm going to uh, set out for you some some food. I'm, I'm going to bring you a meal. And so it, it's appropriate in that text, in this uh, context, uh, for someone to bring a meal to a visitor. But he was talking to an angel, to the Lord. And he said, let, hold on, let me just go get you some food. So he he prepared a young goat, it says in verse 19, and leaven cakes, and um, he put them all together. Uh, that, that's not like a meal from McDonald's. I mean, that would have taken hours to prepare. Hours. And so the Lord says, okay, I'll wait. I'll, I'll hang out. <laughs> it's okay. I have nothing else to do. I'll just, I'll just wait here for you. What a kind thing, right? Because <laughs> Gideon was just going to prepare a meal. 
It's interesting what happens in the end of this, but Gideon felt like he needed to do this. And the story goes, he brought everything to him. In verse 20, uh, the angel says to him, take the meat, take everything that you just made, put it on that rock. And they put it on a rock. And then in 21, the angel reached out the tip of his staff to the hand, touched the rock, and the whole thing turned into flames and, and went up from the rock. What is that? all about. It's an offering. God doesn't need any kind of deal from us. He, he doesn't really need a meal. He doesn't really need us to do, let's make a deal with God, as we try to do on occasion. If you do this, then I'll do this. He doesn't need those types of things. Gideon was presenting him with a present, he said. He said, here, here take this. Maybe out of fear, maybe just being kind, But it seemed a little odd because the angel was not eating any of it, didn't intend to. (laughs) It went up as an offering to God. That's really what he wanted. That's really what he was trying to teach Gideon is, thank you, but what I really want is for this to be an offering that you give to me. Instead of offering to these false gods, which we'll see in just a minute, I want this kind of offering. This is the offering I want. Bring this to me, and this will be an offering to me. Not any kind of bargain. It's just, I want this. This is what I want. So he did something very dramatic. You would think that would cause uh, Gideon to be upset. It didn't cause him to be upset. It caused him to learn a lesson, which was just wonderful. He said, this is a place of peace now. He said, down in 22, the Gideon perceived that the angel... Uh, of the Lord, that it was the angel of the Lord. And he said, Alas, O Lord God, now I have seen the angel, the Lord, face to face. But the Lord said to him, and the Lord said this, right? This isn't the angel again. It says, The Lord said this, Peace to you, do not fear, you shall not die. And Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is peace. To this day it stands there, and they were able in that era to see it, actually. He got an altar of worship from this whole experience. See, God's word, his truth called Gideon to see how to connect with God in a brand new way. It wasn't the challenge of all the questions. It wasn't a bargain of any kind. He really wanted a heart. He wanted an altar, which we offer ourselves on. That's, that's what he wants. Throughout the whole thing, he's looking for a person. He's looking for devotion. It's very clear. He wants you. He wants me. And then in 625, if you take a look there, it says, the night, that night, the Lord said to him, take your father's bull, a second bull, seven years old, pull down the altar of Baal and your, that your father has, cut it down, the Asherah stands beside it, build an altar to the Lord your God on the top of the stronghold here with stones laid in due order or an altar made properly is really what that refers to. Then take the second bull, offer it as a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah that you just cut down. So God's word called Gideon to point to only God. In all the things, one of the things he needed to learn, God's word, the truth, called Gideon to this point. Remember, he's doing this for the people around him, the Israelites. He's being called to do this 
learn these lessons for them as we are. God's word called Gideon to point to only God, God being the only God. 4.9 billion people actively use social media. 4.9 billion people actively use social media. And I think probably every single one of us has heard the word influencers, and influencers are those people who help guide the people on social media to what they should buy, what they should do, what they should think, how they should live, on and on and on. Becca showed me a, a great thing the other day, which is just, it was just terrific. It was two people um, in somewhere in Europe. Uh, they were very wealthy people. And the whole video, because they're influencers, the whole thing was them uh, showing us how to get dressed in uh, upscale clothes. The whole thing. And they did it really well. It was very, it was enjoyable. You know, what they were wearing, every designer they were wearing, how they wore it. I mean, it was just, it was something. It was three minutes, four minutes. But, you know, people watch that and they go, I want to be like them. That would be great. Let me be like them. Influencers. Gideon and you, by the way, are being called to be an influencer to the generation that we are from and the generations that surround us. Age doesn't really have anything to do with it when the Lord's involved. He wants everyone to come to him. We're being called to be influencers. One of the main things to be influencing other people about is that God is the only God. There is no other God. There is no other way to God the Father. There is no other path except Jesus. It's just the truth. This is the influence we're to have on our family and the people around us. God directed Gideon to destroy the false idols. And it's a great story, by the way, because these idols were just not random idols in the town. They were um, a, a Baal idol and an Asherah idol. And they happened to be right beside the house of his father. Probably that's where Gideon lived as well, because often they did live. Even if he was a little bit older, they would live uh, with family. So Gideon was in touch. He was like he was like as close as you could be. He was like at an intimate point knowing that this idol was outside his house, and I'm sure um, worshiping and offering to this idol. It was in the town. Everybody knew where it was. It was right beside Gideon's house. Gideon was the perfect one to confront the problem with the false gods. Perfect. Because he was the one who was in the middle of it. And he turned to God and he was the one that they were going to believe because he was right in the middle of all of this. Baal, by the way, is a god of apostasy. The, uh, his mission is to take uh, a people that know God and are concentrated to him and turn them away. That's what's happening in our world. Baal is alive and active. And, and in case you didn't feel like he was, I think it was September 19th, uh, 2016, in New York City, gathered at, in front of the, the uh, courthouse, Lower Manhattan. Uh, there was a big structure covered in white 
There was a mayor's representatives were there. There were uh, groups uh, uh, of uh, playing music. There was people surrounding it. And um, they were all there uh, to uh, dedicate in a way and uh, approve of and, lest I say, worship. And as they removed the white covering, it was a uh, called the Arch of Baal, which was taken uh, from a country in the Middle East. And it was, uh, at the time, the actual entranceway to a temple of Baal. They had taken it from there and brought it to have a tour around America's in Washington and other major cities, and it was there in New York. And as soon as it was removed, people were clapping, and there was um, great uh, excitement about the the Arch of Baal in the middle of the financial district in Manhattan. So lest you think this is all 4,000 years ago, 5,000 years it's uh, alive and well. Baal is still alive and well in the demonic realm, trying to lead us away from, uh, from God. God, the, the false god of apostasy. So he was in the middle of this. So God called Gideon to this, uh, this point, to point only to God. And that was the truth. That was the, that was the truth he wanted. Asherah was with them too. It was another, it's a fertility goddess. And between the two of them, those were the two gods that they would offer child sacrifice to in, the, in that era. There were others as well. But they were two of the, the god and the goddess that they would offer children to uh, on altars. Horrible, horrible stuff. So God wasn't just calling them and calling you or us to this nonchalantly. God has us in this position of knowing the truth, being being stewards of the truth, knowing God's word like you do very, very well as a congregation. He's, he's got us directly where we need to be to be able to be influencers in this uh, area. White Plains, Westchester County, New York, uh, all the prayer ministry that goes around the world, actually. And this is what is important to the Lord, that he's being lifted up. And the things that people are worshiping that are false are being put down and destroyed. By the way, he didn't just uh, surround them and say, these are no good for everybody. He destroyed them uh, to the point where he was so fearful, it says, about the men in the city and what his family would think that he just, he, he just destroyed them completely. And uh, he had to do it at night because so anyone would not uh, find out. So God's word called Gideon to point to only God as the real God. So in this whole story, in the end, it all leads to the point where Gideon actually comes to the rescue of the whole country as a leader. God led him. He led him through this, this uh, process. And in this process, he taught him lessons to be ready to lead and to change the look of the Israelites at that time. And that's really what the Lord is calling us to do, to change our society, to stand against the flow against the Lord. And it's a high calling. It's a high calling. And honestly, not every church in America is talking about this. Many are going with the flow. 
we can't go with the flow. We can't go with just what society is handing out. We have to stand with the truth. And that's why I think this year, even more, even more than we do right now, is standing for that foundation of the truth. The year of the word being established as a permanent foundation in our lives, if it's not. And 2023 is the year the word being established as a foundation, a permanent foundation in the place we live, in our family. That's a great prayer to start with. Uh, I'm not going to encourage you to have a resolution. I, I Very rarely are they kept, <laughs> and they tend to be self-motivated, and, you know, we'll take care of it. I, I say let's pray, and let's ask 2023 to be the year of the word being established in your family as a permanent foundation, established in your own life as a permanent foundation, not the coming here, going, leaving the word, following God, putting God aside, doing what you want, not, not that, a permanent foundation of where your life is set. Gideon received the truth directly from this angel, from the Lord, and everything that happened to bring him and his community back to God was based on God's truth, on what came from him. From the prophet being sent to the angel, to being directed to destroy the idol, to build an altar, a proper altar to God, all of this based on truth from God's word. He spoke this to him. And this is where we are today. But let me just close uh, with this. I did a very uh, short, it's, it's kind of, there's no way to put this together as I looked at it. There's no way to really put what I want to explain to you together uh, visually even. I was trying to think about how I might do this, but I said, how does the you know, truth impact us? How do we get to where the Lord wants us to be? How does his truth reach us, reach our world, reach our family? And I started, I said, okay, well, Linda and I were influenced to go hear a pastor. Uh, actually, I had to stop and say, Linda influenced me to go with her. To, and then I had to stop again and say, well, actually, her parents influenced her about the things of, of God. And uh, who knows how far back that, that went. So I couldn't really <laughs> figure out a time when God wasn't really working to get me to where I was. But... Anyway, we were influenced by a pastor at a church, former drug addict, and he was influenced by by Nazarene, another Nazarene pastor and a, a district superintendent. And we were influenced, we were transformed. And, and then we were led to give our lives not only to the Lord, but to his service. And the word has kept moving on from there. I was saved, I began to pastor, Linda, began to pastor. People in our lives began to get saved. Family members, people we worked with, began to get saved. And the truth kept going and going and going. And it was all because the truth was taught at some point, back, 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 wherever it happened to be, in our particular lives. And that's what can happen in your family. Lastly, a fellow who used to be the district superintendent on our district, great guy, told the story of his father, and I always like to tell people this as a, as a great example of transformation, is he was uh, a very troubled man, a minor in Pennsylvania, 
uh, like to drink too much, carouse too much, not home a lot, all the, all the regular things you would think uh, were going on wrong in his life. And a, a, um, a revival came to town, Nazarene revival came to a town in a tent. This was like the 1900s. His family was going. His family was church goers. He, was ne- he would never go with them. But he decided that he would go to this revival. And he went to the revival, sat down with his family. And for some reason at the end, I mean, I think we know probably why, but the guy did an altar call and that man walked up with all the horrible things in his life, gave his life to the Lord. Just, that was it, gave his life to the Lord. We have experience of that kind of thing happening. We don't have experience of the next part, which is he went home and he said to his family, from now on, we do everything differently. Okay, his family was up for this. He stopped drinking, stopped carousing, spent time with the family, going to church, became a faithful uh, servant, on and on and on, radical change from one point where he heard the truth and responded. Some of us, that's happened to us. There is not one reason it can't happen in the people around us, our families. We don't force it to happen. We can't hold them down and make them hear the truth, but we can certainly pray and we can certainly do what Gideon did, which is be an example of the truth and being transformed by the truth. That's my prayer for 2023 for us. Would you bow your heads? Father, we thank you and we praise you for your goodness, your graciousness, your kindness to us. Lord, we present to you 2023. Lord, and we all have different things we'd probably like to see happen this year, but Lord, make this one thing key for our church this year. That 2023 would be this this beginning for some of us of having this permanent foundation in your word, in your truth, that we live our lives by how you want us to live it as seen in the word. The 2023 be, could become this, this permanent foundation of, on the truth for, for those in our family. Lord, in each of those people by name, which you know and you pray for already, I'm sure. Let this year be the year that the truth, the word, becomes everything to the people we love around us. And then, Lord, spread that out to the people that we don't even know that we can bring the truth to. The year of truth. The year of us bringing the word. Without hesitation, Lord, without compromise, lifting only you up and living as you want us to live. The desire of my heart, Lord, and I think the desire of all of Westchester Chapel. And we thank you and we praise you. In the name of Jesus, amen. If you would bow your heads uh, with me, we're just going to pray quickly and, and then I'll, uh, I'll bless you. Just as your head is bowed, bring to mind, if you would, by name, each person, just silently in, in, as you're praying, bring to mind by name each person you know that needs to have the truth as a, as a permanent foundation in their lives. So, Father, you see these names and there are others, and we bring them uh, to you. Lord, these are the people this year that we pray for. And we pray one thing specifically because we know, Lord, this will make uh, one of the biggest differences is that truth would become permanently a foundation in their lives. Your word, your scripture, 
but Lord, your truth in every aspect as you communicate it to us would become permanent. Some go back and forth, we know. Some have, want nothing to do with it. Some are on the edge ready. But Lord, in this year, 2023, let this be the year that these people come to make the truth the foundation of their lives. And Lord, we, we leave this to you of how, but we're ready to assist, <laughs> ready to be available to do whatever you want us to do. But Lord, we will at least be praying that these people would have this experience, that we could rejoice with them, that you are everything to us. And Father, I want to bless everyone here. Lord, bless them. Bless you specifically. Bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. And may he be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you guys. If you were moved by today's message, that was the Holy Spirit wooing you to himself. God created the entire universe so that he could be in relationship with us, so that he could be in relationship with you. His son came to the earth. Though he was completely without sin, he died the death of a sinner, took all of our sins upon himself, and was resurrected so that we could have eternal life. All we need to do is accept what he did for us. You can find out more at westchesterchapel.org forward slash salvation. But why not pray with me right now? Lord Jesus, thank you for suffering and dying for me. Thank you that your death atoned for everything that I've done to separate me from you. I pray that you would forgive me of my sins, wash me clean, and Holy Spirit, come into my life and empower me to live for you. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we'd love to know about it. Please send an email to info at westchesterchapel.org. Now, our website is under construction right now, so these links may or may not work. But if you go to westchesterchapel.blogspot.com, in the right-hand column, you'll see an article on salvation and a way to get in touch there. If you live in or near Westchester County, we hope you'll join us. Find out when we're meeting at westchesterchapel.org. Again, that website may be under construction, but be patient with us. Also, if you're outside of the area, you can join us on Zoom, and that info will be there as well. But we do encourage you to get plugged into a local body of Christ-centered, Bible-believing Christians. Lord bless you.